Welcome back to Ear Crush, the Friday podcast for people who love listening to great stories. I'm your host, Stephen Campbell, and again, I am running solo this week. Our, I had intended to have author N.D. Roberts as our guest today. She had just flown in from the United Kingdom to Las Vegas uh, for the 20 Books Conference that's taking place next week. And she's a little bit under the weather from the trip, so we were not able to connect. I, I do plan on having her as the guest host next week because this story will go uh, more than one episode. So just me this week. Before we get to the story, let me give you a quick update on the new audiobooks that we have for this week. The first is Rhapsody for the Tempest, the uh, Brain Trust, book three, was just released on audio. If you're a regular listener to this show, you've heard Catherine McEwen uh, a few weeks ago do a Brain Trust story and talk about the Brain Trust series. This is book three in that series. So hopefully you've already listened to the first two and can jump right into book three. To go further down a series list, Retribution, um, The Ascension Myth, book number six from L. Lee Clark and Michael Anderley, narrated by Pearl Hewitt, uh, was just released a couple of days ago, so that is available too. You can find these books at Amazon, Audible, and iTunes, and you can find more information at our website, lmbpn.com. You can also sign up for our audio email list to be notified whenever there's a new LMBPN audiobook and to occasionally get some pretty cool free stuff. You can sign up for that at lmbpn.com slash audio email. I'll have a link for that in the show notes. Today's story is Holy Savior, the very first story in the very first volume of Tales from the Cretharian Universe. Fans write for the fans. The story was written by Andy Roberts and it's read for you by Meg Price. Holy Savior by N.D. Roberts On the alien world of Castellagia, brave young Holy fights for the survival of her ragged band of orphans. Who will save them from the green-eyed mutants who stalk the night? Justice calls upon Castellagia at the moment all is lost for Holy. A story of strength, determination, and the softer side of everybody's favorite benevolent dictator. Dedication For Stevie and A.B., you two are my world. Chapter 1 Holy Runs Holy ran. The branches poked through the broken fences, lining the pitch-dark alley, tearing at her tangled green hair and whipping her cruelly as she fled to escape the demon pursuing her. She stumbled over something that was both hard and soft at the same time and was horrified to recognize that it was a half-rotten corpse. Only just staying upright as the weight of her sack shifted, she continued to run towards the shelter where her littlies were waiting for her. When she risked a glance over her shoulder, the sickly green glow of the eyes closing in fast gave her the strength to maintain her pace. Already sprinting as fast as her body allowed, she pushed herself even harder, careening off the snatching claws of the fence as they tore at her skin. She would run forever to avoid the snatching teeth of death 
She couldn't die. She wouldn't. She would run. Earlier that day, Holy waited patiently to leave the safety of the former hospit. The breaking dawn sent the demons who ruled the night scurrying for darkness. When the sun had risen and the telltale light of their eyes could no longer be seen, she would make a break for it. She had told the Littlies to be good and to listen to Pip while she was gone, and had left instructions with him on how to take care of Lolly while she was away. The trip was one she had been planning since before Lolly's illness, and had put off to stay by his side. However, the reality of his approaching death had become plain to her, and she had resurrected her plan, resolving to bring him a little bit of joy before he departed from his short and painful life. After squeezing through the small gap in the boards that was now the only way in or out of the building, she set off north to begin the trek to the rolling forest where she had begun her life. Holy knew the woods like the back of her grubby green hand, but she didn't let her guard down for a second. She had to be ready to run if she saw or heard anything. She crossed the meadow at the edge of the township and started to set small snares here and there as she went along. She also filled her patched knapsack with a little bit from every edible or medicinal plant, tree, or bush, along with nuts and berries that she found as she walked the paths made by animals. The morning went quickly. Soon the forest was lit by pools of sunshine where the midday sun broke through the canopy. The woods were alive around her, bathing her in nature's splendor. She felt alive, too, happy to be back in her element once more. Soon, the trees began to thin as she came to the far edge of the forest. She left the path, following one that only she knew, through the leafy undergrowth. Holy cautiously approached the holding that had once been her home. She had lived here with a kindly couple who had bought her from the thrall market as a little As an orphan and a thrall only five summers old, she had been blessed to be chosen by such good people. They had treated her like their own and had loved her when she had been too small to be of any help. In return, she had worked hard to care for them as she grew, wishing to make them happy as her master and mistress began their descent into their elder years. The three had shared five good summers together before Hamertea's plague had changed her master and mistress into demons, forcing Holy to flee for the first time in her life. She hesitated on the porch to listen for a moment. Hearing nothing out of the ordinary, she pushed open the door to her erstwhile home and stepped inside. Holy's heart was tight as she entered the steed proper. It had been three summers since she had returned to the place where she had once been loved. It didn't seem like anyone had been here, and there was no sign of demons that she could see. She trailed her fingers through the patina of dust on the table near her. It covered every surface, and she thought it smelled different somehow. Faded, like a specter haunting her with its... almostness, mocking her inability to go back in time when things were simple. She was overwhelmed by the deluge of memories of good times with her family as she crept along the hallway. She paused when she reached the kitchen, staring mournfully into the former heart of their happy home. The remembered meals 
and stories they had shared around the scarred table clashed with the stark image of her mistress eating the master's face as she stood petrified in the doorway. The spell had broken when the demon who had been her loving mistress turned her appalling eyes toward her, and Holy had to run for her life. It had been the worst day she had experienced in all her ten summers, and she hadn't stopped running since. She shivered, suddenly chilly and slightly spooked by the echoes of her mind, but shook it off and resumed her careful progress. She climbed the stairs, avoiding the familiar squeaky boards in case there was a sleeping demon somewhere close. She made it to her former room without issue, stifling a gleeful laugh when she discovered the gamble she'd taken coming here had been worthwhile. Misgivings about leaving the Littlies alone for so long were forgotten in the face of her triumph. She began placing the precious items carefully into the lined sack she brought especially, ticking off titles from her mental list as she packed it. Let's see. Princesses and dragons, knights of the realm, fairies and magics, angels. Oh, the pirates. He's going to love this one. She continued until her sack was almost overfilled and then secured it with a strong cord she'd also brought. She deliberately didn't look at the Book of Gods and Goddesses. She'd had enough of them forever. Hoisting the sack over her shoulder, she made her way back outside to return to the Littlies with the forage and her haul of secret treasure. The sky was overcast, and billowing angry-looking gray clouds were moving in from farther north. Holly looked up pensively as she headed towards the township, hoping that she could make it before the storm hit. She kept her pace up and her eyes peeled for any sign of the green light that would give away an approaching demon as she checked the snares she'd laid earlier, finding that a number of them were full as she unwound the vines and wires she had set. They would eat well tonight. Cleaning and dressing the unexpected bounty absorbed more time than Holy could safely spend. She was already pushing her luck. The sky was a dismal shade of slate, and the light that protected her was already fading as she scurried back along the animal trails leading to the meadow at the forest's edge. Holy panted slightly as she exited the tree line. As she dashed across the long grass and onto the road leading back to the township, she became aware that the sack on her back was slowing her down and that the scent of the meat she carried would be a beacon to the hungry demons who would soon emerge from the shadows. Torn by which direction to take, as the pregnant clouds roiled blackly overhead, she stalled by the crossroads. If she cut through the market to get to the other side of town, she would certainly be sniffed out. The safest choice would be to go around, using the alleys and passages between the rows of houses to skirt the marketplace altogether. But was there time? It was rapidly darkening, and the urgency of returning to safety brought Holy out of the spiral of indecision. As the first of the raindrops began to fall, she slipped into the network of back alleys and began running towards the hospital where the waiting littlies were depending on her. The twists and turns were a blur as she sped through the filthy warren-like maze and the rain beginning to fall in earnest. It was slippery underfoot. The detritus piled at the sides of the alleys was difficult to navigate with her heavy load, 
and Holy's panic was threatening to take over again. The rain further slowed her pace, turning the alleys into stinking slick mud that sent her skidding more than once. The sack was getting wet, and she was certain she had seen a green glow in the near distance, heralding the arrival of a demon. She stopped at a jutting fence to get her bearings in the lashing downpour. The assault on her senses was incredible. The torrent sucked the sounds from the night and replaced them with the crashing rainwater beating on the ground in nature's furious rhythm. Was the glowing getting nearer? What to do? She cautiously peered through the gap in the fence, trying to pinpoint her location and the location of the demon, which was definitely close. She couldn't hear a thing, but the glow had gotten a little brighter and a little closer to where she was hidden. The rain was cascading down with a ferocity that could only have come from the goddess herself, deafening her with the relentless peals of thunder and stifling her perception. She recoiled in fear as the light leached through the gap and the two sallow green eyes appeared where her face had been pressed a moment before. Please don't notice me, please, 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 she thought desperately, feeling fetid breath touch her cheek. It wasn't an answered prayer, though. The demon had smelled her and was looking for a way through the fence. Holy ran. Chapter Two Holy is Saved Breaking free of the brambles that blocked the alley's exit, Holy broke into the shadowy waterlogged street. Her eyes wide and wild, she scanned the houses without slowing, searching for a place to hide, refusing to relegate the Littlies to a short life without her protection, and focused on a strange white glow coming from the side street up ahead. Holy pelted towards it as the demon's frustrated, hungry growls bled into the air around her. As she approached the side street, Holy prayed the light represented safety and not the slavers who had taken her to the market as an orphan, even though she knew that a slave lived and a demon's dinner didn't. She had to get home if she could. Please, please, please. Internally chanting her new mantra with each ragged breath, she barreled around the corner. A strange conveyance, surrounded by black silhouetted figures, was the source of the light she had seen. She reached the group, almost collapsing with exhaustion as she screamed a warning to the shadowy people. Demon, run, she gasped, her chest heaving and constricting with the effort of breathing and the fear being killed by the nightmare chasing her. With that, she looked up at her saviors and immediately started to back away as one stepped forward. Her sack dropped and was forgotten, the woman had red eyes. Don't worry, little one, the woman said softly, her eyes changing from red to black. We know all about these demons, and we're here to make them go away. Holy looked up again, seeing the kindness on the strange woman's face. Glancing around, she saw the other strangers, all dressed the same in black clothing, with weapons strapped around their bodies. They also seemed kind, if scary. So she took a deep breath and pointed in the direction of the alley where the monster had nearly caught her. 
the scary, kind woman gestured, and three of the people around her set off in the direction Holy had indicated. A few moments later, Holy heard two loud bangs and unearthly screams as the people made the demon go away forever. She decided these people were guardian angels sent to save them. What's your name, sweetie? The female angel asked. Let's see if we can find out who your parents are and get you home. Holy didn't know what the angel meant. I'm holy, she said, big black eyes turned upward to the perfect face above her. I live in the old hospice near the bay. What are parents? And who are you? Are you an angel? You're not from the castle, the keep? Asked the angel, frowning as Holy mutely shook her head. My name is Bethany Ann. Who looks after you, honey? Holy felt a tear leave the corner of her eye as the face of her mistress flashed through her mind, and the last of her adrenaline left her as the grief washed over her. Her legs gave way. No one, she whispered. Before she could crumple to the ground, the angel caught her easily and held her close to shield her from the rain. She felt a flicker of hope. Maybe Bethany Ann could help her in the Little East. They had been hiding for so long, trying to avoid the demons who had once been their families and loved ones. She looked up at Bethany Ann again, trusting the safety she felt in her strong arms, and opened up. We had elders before the goddess plagued us, but there's nobody like that anymore. Just me and the Little East the demons missed. I take care of them all. I went to the keep to ask for sanctuary for all of us in the beginning, but they wouldn't open the gate, so I looked after my little ease by myself, she said proudly, feeling less helpless as she made her statement. Don't need any stupid nobles anyway. Let them stay behind their walls. We're doing fine. I just need to get home. I've been gone too long. She sniffled, and a bubble of snot popped at the end of her nose. Pip and Lolly are on their own. If I don't get back soon, Pip might try coming outside by himself to find me. They need me. The Littlies do. Can I go to them now, please? Will you help me get there? Her eyes were brimming with tears, but she held them wide so Bethany Ann would see how strong and brave she was and want to help. The angel's face changed again. First, she looked distant, as though she was somewhere else then smiled brightly at Holy, overwhelming her with beauty once again as she spoke the words which cemented Holy's belief that this woman was their savior. Well, I'm not going to just let you go into danger without any help. Come on, you can ride in my pod. We'll be there in no time if we fly. Bethany Ann led Holy towards her odd conveyance. With no little trepidation at the mention of flying and a tiny spark of hope growing inside her heart, Holy followed her through the tapering rain. Bethany Ann, pod seating area. Bethany Ann swore internally as she entered the pond. Adam, Tom, one of you get out here right fucking now. This is turning into a gigantic shit storm. Yes, Bethany Ann. Adam had drawn the short straw. Neither of Bethany Ann's traveling companions enjoyed their host's infamous bad moods, 
but the right decision had been to let Tom take the back seat on this one, because it was one of his species who had committed these atrocities. Tom understood. He would do nothing to distract her from retribution. After all, who could be calm and rational in the face of a situation like this? He just didn't want to be the accidental recipient of her overflowing rage. There are children here. What the fuck is wrong with these people that they would leave children to be eaten alive? Pompous crotch biscuits didn't mention they'd turned her away either. I can't believe I felt sorry for the bastards. Can you even imagine what this child has been through? We need to get these kids out of here because I'm going to blast this shit stain of a planet and its fuck-nugget federal atrocities back to the Dark Ages. The Guardians are on their way to clear up the misengineered, as we speak. I've sent a battery of camera drones to the bay to assess the area before we arrive. I've got to say, this isn't exactly the vacation you promised when we set out, Bethany Ann. You can say that again. News of the green-eyed, flesh-eating monsters overrunning the sleepy backwater planets had filtered back to the Empire in recent months via the Rangers and their transport partners. When Barnabas mentioned it in passing to Bethany Ann, she had decided to take one of her famous secret road trips to investigate the rumors. Taking the six Guardian Marine teams and a ship with her was the compromise to having a protracted argument with John, but she was glad she had brought so much firepower when the extent of the catastrophe became apparent. It hadn't taken long after arriving to discover the widespread genocide that was now the most striking feature of this previously peaceful system. They discovered one dead planet after another, burning out pockets of slavering green-eyed mutants on each after confirming there was no other life. The vacation was turning into a holiday from hell. It had been a welcome change in the pattern when they reached Castelagia, the third planet, and the scans showed signs of life. They had found the group of survivors in Castel, the stronghold at the center of the relatively small civilization. Failing to make contact, they brought a pod down, hoping to find out what had happened from the survivors' mouths. When they arrived, the people were terrified at first by the pod. This was a medieval-level culture, the people still reliant on religion and fable to guide them, and after hearing their story, Bethany Ann understood their fear. She recalled the terrified people and the tale they told her. A strange woman had come to Castle one day, proclaiming herself to be Harmatea, their goddess of war. She had demanded they worship her, and dedicate their lives to her in return for their continued existence. The nobles had mocked her and ordered her thrown into the moat for her blasphemy and impudence. The guards who took her arms fell onto the floor screaming and tearing at themselves savagely while the woman smiled, taking joy from their pain. The shocked nobles could do nothing as two strong men twisted in the throes of their agony. The screaming ceased with the guard's final breaths, and she asked the frozen assembly, Do you believe in me now? Terrified, they dropped to their knees as one and begged to serve her in her glory. She had demanded sacrifices for her twisted rites. 
They gave her the criminals, the beggars, and the peasants. They begged her for mercy. She gave them horror and vanished in the night, leaving them to die by her demon's teeth and claws. The plague had begun in the lower marketplace. Merchants, homekeepers, and thralls became ill within hours. The infected were exhausted. They sweated and shook with fever as they were tormented by the voices of demons in their minds. Three days later, hell itself came down on Castelagia as the sick transformed into grotesque demons with nauseating green glowing eyes. Mindless with hunger and craving energy to sustain their new forms, the demons attacked indiscriminately, gorging on the flesh of the hospice staff and their loved ones before leaving in search of more sustenance. It had only taken a few short weeks for almost the entire population to die, leaving only demons beyond the walls of the stronghold. The only ones who remained untainted were the lords and ladies of the keep, or so they had told Bethany Ann. Bethany Ann's heart had gone out to these people, and she had promised them that she would rid the planet of the mutants this Harmatea had created. Meeting Holy changed all that. Finding out they had refused to help children in need gave her the outlet she needed for the frustration she felt at missing the chance to kill that psycho body-snatching bitch. They were no better than their false goddess, and she would give them justice in the children's names. First, though, she would see this dauntless child and her charges safe and sound. What about this little fighter? She asked Adam as she tenderly strapped the child into a seat and took her own with a reassuring smile. Jesus, she's so thin, and those eyes of hers. They've seen too much too soon. She's stronger than she looks. Over 90% of the population on this planet fell victim to the nanocyte virus, and her group is the only one to survive outside the stronghold. She has kept the children she rescued alive for the last three years in a harsh, exacting environment. I'd wager she'll go far, given the opportunity to thrive. She's definitely something special, that's for sure. I just wish I could have gotten here sooner. I'll fry that bitch when I find her. The camera drones have completed their sweep of the area and have located the building Holy described. Footage is showing a group of six misengineered in the area at the hospital's entrance. You could take some of the frustration out on them. We'll be there in a few minutes. Great idea. Let's go kill us some zombies and save these kids. Fuck it, Adam. Shit like this makes me miss Earth's politics. This was supposed to be a vacation. You know, kick some zombie ass and ride off into the etheric, cheering ourselves for being team awesome. Now, it's genetically engineered peasants gone wrong, orphaned kids all over the fucking place, and some batshit Curatherian fucknut we can't fucking find. Son of a cactus-humping sore gobbler. She took a fraction of a second to compose herself before turning her attention to the brave child strapped into the seat in front of her. 